Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for Tales of Terror, only on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated R and is recommended restricted for anyone under the age of 17. Now available from the Radio Theatre Workshop and Meriton Press, A Most Civil Proposal. A variation on Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Darcy again tried to concentrate. It was coming to the conclusion that it was nigh impossible to determine just how his well-ordered and well-planned life had descended into the tumult and uncertainty that plagued him at present. Selecting a pen and pulling a sheet of stationery in front of him, he opened the inkwell, dipped his pen, and began. Miss Bennet, you must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. Available now through Audible. Welcome to the Agonal Dreams Podcast, Season 1, Episode 10 of Post-Apocalyptic Nightmare. This audio theater features some situations that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 10, Horaeth on the Horizon. Adrian paced back and forth, waiting for Kat and Ira to walk back into the room. What the hell is taking them so long? Ira can be long-winded sometimes. I wouldn't worry about it. He tried to kill us. Eh, don't take it personal. He has issues. Don't we all know? What do you mean by issues? I don't know. Him and his daddy, they both... Never mind. You can't just start a sentence like that and leave us hanging. What were you going to say? Don't speak ill of the dead, guys. That's the problem, Ravi. Ira is still very much alive, and he's somewhere with Kat. If there's something wrong with him, it, it could put her in danger. Now, I never said he was dangerous. He's just, I don't know, what do you call it? A pivot? Yeah, I guess that's a nice way to put it. And why are you telling us about this just now? It's not relevant. All of you are age appropriate. My son went to the high school where he worked. Ira was a teacher? No, a guidance counselor. So what? You're saying he worked at a school with a bunch of kids? Yeah, but he went through therapy, got involved in church, all that jazz. Emery went to that school. Right, Em? Hey, where did she go? Nobody panic. I can't see a thing here. I can't breathe. Are you having a panic attack? 
<laughs> As Adrian pointed the flashlight towards the door, thick black tendrils of smoke curled up under the hallway entrance. Get down. Stay low to the ground and go, go, go. We need to get out of here. The door's locked! Somebody locked us in. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Get down and crawl now! Within seconds, the room was completely in flames. Ray grabbed her shotgun and blew the door lock to smithereens before kicking it open with her boot. The survivors pulled their shirts up over their noses and mouths and followed her into the hallway and out the front door to the front of the plaza. With no water on standby, the fire quickly spread to the rest of the buildings in the plaza, jumping from rooftop to rooftop with idiosyncratic precision. Over the roar of the inferno blaze, the group could see bashers lining up at the front gate, equally enthralled with the sight of the fire as well as the group of survivors. A couple of them shouted obscenities at the survivors, while one brave basher attempted to scale the fence. He screamed when he reached the barbed wire top, his bloody arms shredding with each grasp. Get everyone to the vans. I need to find Cat. My brother's out there. We need to move everyone now. Ray nodded and herded the group to two separate vans in the parking lot. She ignored the fact that she noticed Ira's white Chevy Blazer was nowhere to be seen. Who let the whole building on fire? Where the hell is Cat? He ran to the back of the building and froze as he saw a mass of basher bodies encircling one body. He retrieved his gun from his waistband and began shooting, careful to avoid the object of their attention. His eyes scanned the back of the lot, looking for any more signs of life. Come on, where are you? Iris sighed as he drove. His options for supplies were severely limited. Where to first? Honey, what's wrong? Ira plastered a fake smile across his face and took Emery by the hand. He tried to hide the irritation he still had after his disagreement with Ray the night before. Without Ray's support, he was on his own for revenge. Ray had sealed her fate with the others when she had turned down his offer to help him get rid of Kat. Nothing's wrong, darling. Just, just got a lot on my mind. We have to make sure everything is perfect for tomorrow. Are you sure this is the only way? You promised there would be no more violence after Sam. I know I did. But, but the fact of the matter is we won't be safe as long as they're still alive. We have to start over. Just you and me. And the baby. Don't forget. No, of course not. Emery waited in the blazer while Ira stopped at several places in town. In the trunk went chlorine powder from the pool store, brake fluid from an auto parts store, and wire cutters from the hardware store. She didn't ask him what he was planning, because she knew it wasn't her place to ask. All the information she needed would be given to her when she needed it. Oh, honey, look! There's the aquarium down the street there. Isn't that where your friends live? Ira nodded and smiled. Yeah, I figured after everything was said and done at the commune, yeah, we'll stay there with them until the baby is born. Ed can help deliver with the baby. He used to be a farmhand. I'm not an animal. I know that, sweetie, but but he can help. Why not Adrian? Don't forget my love. By then, Adrian will be dead. 
I wonder how long before the rains come. Just be glad it's been under a hundred goddamn degrees every day. 99.9 degrees or not, you all still stink. Pot, meat, kettle. I've never stunk a day in my life. Even when I was locked in the cage for all that time, I never smelled. Come off it, Devon. It's true. Relax. Walkie check. Good check. You know, gallery is getting restless. Ready to stop somewhere to rest for a few? Bunch of amateurs. Yes or no, Ray? They aren't long haul truckers. Got a bunch of civilians on board. Come on, Ice Queen. We've been driving for days. 10 4. Thank God. Ray and I will go in and make sure it's all clear. Jenny, you keep watch out here. Why won't it just rain? I can smell it. I don't think you're smelling rain, man. Hey, look. Is that a dog? Oh my god, I haven't seen any dogs forever. Come here, little puppy. Hey girl, sit your behind down. The army ranger told you to stay here. I don't need to babysit you guys. I'm going to see that dog. Well, if she's getting out, so am I. The tired group of survivors had been cooped up in two separate vans for days, taking turns driving with minimal stops. They ate all their meals on board, took turns sleeping and driving, and not much else. To some of them, they felt like they were running from something. To others, it felt like this was their new reality and resigned to their role in the miserable routine. Adrian and Ray both now co-led the group and had decided that they needed a substantial new change in direction if they were going to find a suitable new home for everyone. They drove northeast until they were surrounded on both sides by overgrown, unattended cornfields, abandoned barns and old-world farmhouses. The rural area smelled less and less like decomposition and more like undisturbed nature. When they stopped on the roadside, the foliage around them was thick and lustrous, seemingly unperturbed by the preceding months of extended heat. A small head peeked out from behind an unusually thick grandfather oak nearby, the body of the creature masked by the veteran timber. Stay away from it! It's just a little puppy! Come here, little guy. He looks sick. Look, its fur is almost completely gone. Probably from the heat. Aw, poor guy. Look out, it's a mutant. Jenny, run! The animal emerged from behind the tree, and the group could see it was not a dog of any sort, but a seemingly malnourished and mange-covered bear cub. The cub playfully bounded towards Jenny, but the mother bear, also hairless and emaciated, charged towards her, hunger beaming from her pale eyes. Forgive me. Forgive me for killing an innocent animal. Adrian and Ray appear from the underbrush, their weapons poised up and ready. What's going on here? Told you they wouldn't listen to you about staying in the van. Jenny got attacked by a werewolf. There's no such things as werewolves, idiot. Ray stepped over the carcass of the mother bear, nudging its face with her boot. 
that really a bear? Where the hell is all its fur? Hmm. Probably the heat wave. Look how skinny she is, too. Forced out of hibernation early, most likely. I thought it was a dog. I'm sorry. What should we do about him? If you're asking to keep him, the answer is no. We can barely find enough food to feed ourselves, let alone a bear cub. We won't kill him, but we need to leave him here. No sense in wasting this meat, though. She grabbed the dead animal by the scruff of its neck and handed her gun to Adrian. That is not going in the van. Ew! No, it's not. We were actually coming back to tell you guys there's a house close by. No bashers, no smell. It's pretty nice and secluded. I would be honored to sleep in a bed again. My back is killing me! Ravi, grab the back half there and help me drag it up to the house. I'll skin her and we'll have the meat for dinner. No, sir. No, sir. More for the rest of us, the ones who actually contribute to this group anyway. Maybe I'd be able to contribute if you'd actually let me have a gun. You shot Heather in the foot. She was fine. Her ankle monitor took most of the impact. <laughs> Devin, you are crazy. Where's Cat and the girls? They're still sleeping in the back of the van. Almost 12 hours now. Has nobody checked on them? Jesus, people. While Ray and Ravi took the others and the bear up towards the house, Adrian went to the other van and opened the back. Audrey, Joan, Anne and Cat were all lying together on the van's floor, sleeping soundly. He softly tried to shake her awake. She opened her eyes lazily and smiled when she saw him. Hmm. You found a place to stop. You want to get out? I was up most of the night. I, I couldn't sleep. You still feeling carsick? The others had started to awaken, rubbing sleep from their eyes as they yawned. Yeah. Alright, well, let's get you guys out and stretch your legs. They slowly got out of the van and followed Adrian into the thick brush, wondering where they were going to stay. As they crested a small hill, Cat gasped when a house came into view, nestled deep in the woods. She had imagined a shack or run-down shelter, with minimal space and squalid conditions comparable to their many previous temporary dwellings. Even the commune they lived in for several months had been filthy and foul-smelling due to Father Weber's unhygienic nature. But this house looked perfectly preserved in time. This house knew no apocalypse. The home appeared to be a Victorian-style farmstead with two storeys, an expansive wraparound porch with copper gutters and whitewashed front wooden panelling. Cat could see that the house was surrounded by perennials, fruit and flowering trees and a small open level field to its right side. This is so beautiful. I can't believe we found this place. Adrian smirked and opened the door for the women as they neared the entrance. Cat lagged behind the rest, savouring the fragrant blooms near the doorway. She felt him tuck a strand of flyaway hair behind her ear, and she smiled as he placed a single bloom rose in her hand. <laughs> you dork. What's this? He shrugged, ignoring her question, and walked inside, leaving her to enter at her leisure. What's all this now? Apparently there are still bears. Yeah, Ravi shot it. Where are we anyway? Nowhere important. Little pissant Midwestern town. Not really all that familiar with US geography, I'm afraid. Define pissant town, please. Me neither. Unless it's Texas or California, 
I couldn't find it on a map. <laughs> no, you are so funny. I never know whether you're joking or not. Spoiler alert, you should know by now, he's never joking, Ravi. Uh, looks like Scary the Pooh followed us home. Well, Ravi did kill its poor little mother. It's probably looking for vengeance. Okay, anyone wants to volunteer to try to scare him off or take him deeper into the woods? We don't need the extra noise attracting anything. He'll die out there. He's a bear, Jenny. That's where bears live. He's a bit cute in a Mad Max sort of way. Uh, I don't see it. I'll do it. I'll take him deeper into the woods. It'll give me a chance to check out some of the surrounding properties. Anne nodded and smiled, silently nominating herself as Cat's travelling companion. Adrian looked as though he were about to protest, but he clamped his mouth shut. Ray only smirked smugly, the dead bear laid out in front of her on the kitchen table. Anyone else want to come? But nobody else responded. Adrian helped Ray start skinning the bear. Jenny was sprawled out on one of the living room sofas, enjoying her own space for a change. Ravi and Heather snuck off to be alone in one of the upstairs bedrooms, while the newcomers, all except Anne, stood awkwardly in the middle of the kitchen, silent and still. Kat wondered how the new group members would fit in with the rest of them. She allowed them some grace because they were held captive by Father Weber since the apocalypse began. Still, none of them save for Anne seemed to be interested in incorporating themselves into the family. Anne was the only one who seemed generally happy about her own existence. Despite not being able to talk properly, she was typically found with a playful smile, her eyes sparkling with excitement. She took a preference to Cat and followed her around wherever she went, when Cat allowed it. Anne carried the bear cub close to her body, stroking its patchy fur as they walked deeper and deeper into the forest. This is pretty far away from the farmhouse. He should be okay here. She stared at the animal with sad eyes, but ultimately placed the cub on the ground, where it bounded off into the underbrush. All bark and no bite. Don't worry. She nodded and looked up, briefly closing her eyes to the grey sky. There was a mysteriousness about her that unsettled Cat. She tried to ignore it, but the warning bell made her feel nauseated all of a sudden. Shh. No need to bother it. Let's circle around and continue on our way. If Anne was at all frightened, her face betrayed nothing. She remained stone-faced and solemn as they made their way back to the farmhouse. While the pair had been doing their best to ignore the lone basher, it had been stalking the two of them. In an instant, the basher burst forth from the underbrush, moaning and charging towards them, its arms flailing erratically. Before Cat could properly react or stop it, Anne reached out and grabbed the basher's two swinging arms. She attempted to hold it steady, but its girth was double her size, his sinewy muscles pulsating through his ripped shirt. His meaty fists reared back and began to pummel her small body, over and over again, as if she were a lone, loose sock, tumbling around in a dryer. Cat quickly dove in front of her intercepting the basher's fists as they rocketed into the side of her head with lightning speed. She began to feel lightheaded from the blows, but the basher's fists came so quickly 
she had no time to reach for the small 22 pistol she had tucked into her waistband. Within seconds, Anne pushed Kat outside the basher's reach, and Kat scrambled for her gun. Stop! A look of confusion and pain registered across the basher's face as Anne forced him to his knees. Anne opened her mouth wide, and Kat screamed in horror. This time, the creaking and snapping of muscle and tendons came from Anne, not the basher, as she forcefully extended her mouth, popping her jaw out of place like a serpent. Once it was completely unhinged, the crimson blood began to flow freely from her open mouth, the bright red shade warning of a traumatic new injury. The basher screamed as a transfer of energy bounced between their open mouths. The sounds accompanying the illuminated energy were terrifying, and Kat covered her ears in horror. The more energy that Anne transferred from the basher, the paler and more languid his appearance became. His physique, though massive compared to Anne, now drooped and sagged under his tattered clothing. His cheeks grew sallow, and his complexion dulled, until it lost all signs of life completely. The lifeless husk fell to the ground with a thump. Anne slowly scrambled to her feet, watching Kat with innocent eyes. Popping her jaw back into place with a snap, she wiped her bloody lips with the back of her wrist and smiled. What are you? Inside the farmhouse, the group eagerly waits for Kat and Anne's return. The bear meat was done cooking, and a fire was crackling in an old-fashioned potbelly stove in the living room. The fire wasn't needed. In fact, it made the room stifling. But the sight and sounds of the small fire made them feel nostalgic about holidays and family, and being home. Mmm, mm, that smell is to die for. Mm, I can't wait. How much longer do you think they're going to be? I'm sure they're fine. And if not, more for us. <laughs> not funny, Ice Queen. What's your problem with cats anyway? Jeez, you people need to lighten up. This meat is done. We should eat it while it's hot. We can save some for them if they ever bother to come back. What happened? Were you guys attacked? Nobody moved as they watched Kat and Anne walk towards them in the kitchen. Anne limped, dragging her left foot as blood dotted the floor with each step, dripping from her mouth. Ray seethed from her chair. She probably abandoned her like she did my brother. Kat, say something. Kat, what the hell is going on here? I don't know. What the hell happened? I already said I don't know, Adrian. Ask her yourself! hadn't realised how far away from the house she had walked, when she suddenly came upon a creek bed, deep within the woods. Despite the lack of rain, the middle of the bed was still particularly moist and full of thick black mud. It smelled of old earth, which gave her a twinge of nostalgia for the island. She laid down on her back, feeling her body sink a few inches into the soil's coolness, and revelled in her little makeshift cocoon. Just swallow me up already. What 
do I even have to live for anyway? Kat blinked as her vision began to slightly fuzz. Her eyelashes felt heavy under the transparent mist. Reinforce some weak points. But I honestly think this place could work for us. We have to name it. Name what? The house. It's it's our home. We have to call it something. House. There. Done. No, it has to be special. How about Basher Bungalow? Now that's just asking for trouble. How about Love Island? Y'all are nasty. What about Rosewood? Oh, that's so pretty, Cat. How did you think of that? Well, the house is made of wood, and there are roses all around the property. Riveting observation. I have one complaint with this house, though. What's your complaint, Devin? What kind of math did you learn in the military? Since when was ten divisible by four? Obviously, not everyone could get their own room right now. But is that the most crucial issue to you right now? All I'm saying, man, is we have a hundred million houses out here to choose from. And you're going to have us all squished together under the same roof. First we stay in a dirty-ass business park, and now we upgrade to this mess. I like this place. It's quaint. Definitely an improvement over the last several places we've stayed at. But I have to agree with Devon. It is a bit small for so many people. I don't plan to sleep in here anyway, so more space for you. I just want to be comfortable. I'm just so tired of being confined. I understand your concern, but right now we need to focus on water collection, storage, and securing the house. We don't know when the rain will stop, and we need to take full advantage of this opportunity. Once we're ready for permanent relocation, we will take your concerns into consideration. I am missing my cage more and more. Come on, Devin. Just be patient. I have a good feeling about this place. The rest of the group nodded in agreement. This rain brought not only a source of clean, fresh water, but a renewed sense of purpose for the group of survivors. All right, let's break down today's schedule. I, Ray, and Devon will head over to the next town and gather supplies for the house. Canned food, blankets, pillows, flashlights, weapons, you name it. Anything we can find to make living here easier. Jenny, you and Heather will be in charge of inspecting the property identifying the weak points and potential dangers as well as making a list of things that need repair, such as that broken step at the top of the stairs. Okay, you got it. Robbie, I want you to stay here and start working on plans for the wind turbine in the backyard. If we can power electricity without relying solely on gasoline, we'll be one step ahead when all the fuel runs out within the next year. Take my concerns into consideration. My ass! You're planning to stay here permanently, it sounds like. Uh, okay, but it's going to take a while to draw up the plans, find the materials, and build it. And it might not even work. Ravi, I know you can do it. Don't you have a master's in electrical engineering? Yeah, exactly. Electrical engineering, not wind energy engineering. Don't worry, bud. You got 12 months to figure it out. Uh... What about me? You need to stay here and look after the rest. I've been stuck in this house doing basically nothing. I want to help. I feel totally fine now, Adrian. You're the only one qualified to care for the newcomers. You assisted me at the commune. You're basically a trained nurse now. I'm trusting you to take care of them. Kat rolled her eyes. 
She knew he was only trying to pacify her and make her feel like she had a purpose. But Kat knew Adrian only viewed her as a liability. After he saved her from the brutal basher beating at the commune, Adrian was desperate to keep her as safe as possible going forward. Don't worry. Once they leave, you can come and help me. Thanks, Rami. Okay, let's move out. Kat's stomach gurgled, and she bolted towards the door. Be right back. This time away from the drinking water, yeah? <sighs> Wish this rain would let up. I miss the sunshine. You can't honestly mean that. Don't you remember the intense heat wave we had? I wouldn't mind if it rained for another year straight. Well, not all of us were out and about during all that. Some of us were kept in the dark. Literally. Much better. What were you doing before all this crazy stuff started happening? Are you writing a book or something? I just don't know much about you newbies. You sure about that? He's expecting too much from me. I am never going to get this thing working. Ravi? Yeah? It's just me. We can help you. Tell us what you're having trouble with. The whole thing! Ugh, I'm so frustrated I don't even know where to start. And my eyes hurt. I feel like my vision is getting worse by the day. I'm surprised you can see anything at all out of those things. Freaky looking marbles. Oh, shut up, Jane. Why does everyone have to bother me about how my eyes look? It's not something I have control over. Excuse me for freaking breathing. And it's not Jane. It's Joan. Get it straight. Well, whatever. You know, your eyesight is probably worsening because you're sinning. What? Are you and that skinny woman upstairs going at it all day and all night? Unmarried fornication is not only against the Lord's word, but it's also an annoyance. You would think there may be a consideration for the other people who live here. Ravi shrank back, embarrassed. Heather had made her way into the living room now, watching Joan and Ravi argue. Her thin lips turned downwards into a furious scowl. Oh, listen up, lady. Don't you worry about what everyone else in this house is doing, all right? Consider each bedroom its own apartment and mind your own business. Ravi is the first person in my life ever to love me for real, so who cares what you think, lady? You love me? Heather smiled and reached for his hand. <laughs> of course I love you, Ravi. You've been there for me since I knocked on you guys' door. Without another moment's hesitation, Ravi awkwardly went down on one knee at Heather's side. <gasps> Ravi, what are you doing? If you love me, marry me. <laughs> the women watched, mesmerized by the scene unfolding before them. Oh, you better say yes, girl. It's better than TV. Heather blinked, dumbfounded, and pulled Ravi up from his knee into her embrace. Uh, Heather? What is your answer? Yes, Robbie. A million times. Yes. Settle down, children. Settle down now. It's time for a lesson. 
smiled and looked at her yearmates sitting all around her. They were all small, wide-eyed children, and Kat recalled this memory quite easily. Tell us, Tarni. We want to hear a story about Tika. Katya, lower your voice. It is disrespectful to speak her name outside of a ceremony. Sorry, Tarni. You mustn't speak of her in casual conversation, for she can and has walked the earth. She can take many forms, so you never know when the goddess is in your very presence. How does goddess of the water walk on dry land? She cannot be on land for very long without a source of water. But suppose she is able to find a child born from the waters of the mother's body before it touches the ground. In that case, she can use the child's water as an energy source to walk on dry land for a period of time. If she remains in her true form, a wet, monstrous shadow from the depths, she can only remain on land for three days before returning to the ocean. But what will happen to the child? Don't worry yourself, Katya. You are much too old now to be taken by the goddess. But why does she need to come on dry land at all? She has to walk among the living to choose a prize of sorts. The prize among humankind to satisfy the sacrificial rites. Once she has chosen... We retrieve it for her and present it to her during a sacred ceremony. What prize could a water goddess possibly want from the earth? been humming that for three days straight. (laughs) I know, but I'm just incredibly excited. I mean, you're excited too, right? Of course I am. But I just wanted everything to be low-key. Right, right. What do you think of these mugs? Hmm? Agonal Dreams podcast. Where'd you get them? Wouldn't they be cool for the wedding? Yeah, for sure. Do you have any more? Well, yeah, but I'm saving them for our listeners. Who are they? Don't you worry about that. You worry about the details of this wedding we're planning. (laughs) We're? Of course. Okay, fine. But I really want to know how to get more of these cool mugs. Other people may want them too. Oh, fine. But outro first. (sighs) Okay by me. Starring Journey Brown Centel, Andrew Quintero, Chi Dimeji Brown, Esther Payne, Allegra Rodriguez Shivers, Gina Pietramonico, Sandy Jack, and me, Emily Husband. This episode also featured the voice talents of Greg Thomas, Shee Melendez, Michelle Kane, Nicholas Watson, Sophie D'Amour, Christopher Powers, and Melissa Chambers. Check us out on Patreon to see if you would like to support us. Perks include bonus episodes, access to cool merch, AMAs, and more. Can I have my mug now? Not until the wedding. Besides, you haven't even finished the outro yet. Story written by Courtney Holloway. 
Sound design by Christopher Jarvis at the Radio Theatre Workshop. Original music composed by Peter Clef, Bradley Parsons, and Konstantin Nasiarevich. Okay, done. Now can I have it? Even if you can't financially support us on Patreon at this time, you can still help us grow by rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, gimme! Maybe I like them for myself. Uh, Maybe I'll just keep them. Well, I guess I'll go to Patreon and go get one for myself. All right, fine. You can have one here. Consider it an early wedding present. Wow, thanks. Stay tuned for the penultimate episode next month. Chauncey Haworth, Mark Slade, and Lothar Tuppen, the demented minds behind the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour, bring you Twisted Pulp Magazine, a journey beyond surreality to worlds you never knew or hoped existed, worlds of the supernatural, worlds of dark satire, worlds of nightmarish futures, Twisted Pulp Magazine. If you thought the 21st century was weird enough already, think again. Twisted Pulp Magazine. A step beyond your grandfather's pulp. Available at digitalvaudeville.com. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L-V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E.com. Twisted Pulp Magazine.